This podcast is intended to uplift, inspire, and in some cases, educate you on how to create a life that feels good. I am not a health professional, and the information and advice shared on this show should not be taken in replacement for any information or direction given to you by a healthcare professional. If you or someone you know is struggling with your health or mental well-being, please reach out to a healthcare professional in your area. For more information and resources on mental health support, please visit laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash mental health or see the link in the show notes. Hi there, I'm Laura, a teacher turned creator, and this is Fill Up Your Cup, the podcast with a mission to help you feel inspired, motivated, and empowered to show up for yourself and create a life that feels good. We're putting the personal back in personal development as we navigate this journey of self-awareness, self-compassion, and growth together. Because together, And with the right mindset, we are all capable of change and living a life that truly fills us up. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome back to the podcast for the final episode of season three. I am very excited to be closing out another season of the show. One, because I am excited to be going on my summer break and winding down on work a little bit and finding that balance and practicing what I preach. Um, But two, because it just brings me so much joy to see how much our listenership has grown this season and how the community is growing around this podcast and just hearing your feedback and seeing that the show is bringing you value. And that means so much to me. And speaking of hearing your feedback and your thoughts on the show before we dive any further into today's episode, as we're coming to the end of another season of the show, I would love if you would take this opportunity to leave a review or a rating for the podcast, whatever app you listen to your podcasts on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or another streaming app, to just take a minute to pause the episode to give the show a five-star rating if you think it's worth five stars, and to leave a little, even if it's just one sentence, a one-sentence review on Apple Podcasts, because first of all, it helps me understand what you're enjoying, what you like about the show, what you maybe want to hear more of, or what you'd like to hear added to the show. But second of all, it also helps the show reach more people to see if It's a show that they would be interested in listening to. And so if you have enjoyed this season, if you're enjoying listening to Fill Up Your Cup podcast for me, please, please, please take a moment before the end of today's episode to just leave us a little review. Now, I am very excited to dive into today's episode because I am emptying out the listener's cup today. There have been quite a few questions that have come in this season, which I absolutely love. I love being able to connect with you guys directly and create episodes around what you want to hear about, which I've been able to do this season more than once because 
you guys have left your questions in the listener's cup. And if you didn't leave a question in the listener's cup this season and you're feeling a little bit of FOMO right now, that's okay. The link is always, always, always in the show notes and I'll put it at the top of the show notes again for today's episode so it's easy to see and easy to find. And if there's a question or an episode topic that you'd like me to cover next season, because I will be starting planning for that very soon, you can go ahead and drop it in the listener's cup and it will be there for me when we come back from summer break and I look forward to creating more episodes directly answering your questions. But we did have a few questions left over in the listener's cup at the end of this season and I also reached out to you guys on social media this week and asked you to send in any extra questions that you might have that maybe you didn't ask and that's what we're going to answer today. Now before I dive into answering these questions, I'm just going to repeat what I say in the disclaimer at the start of every single episode, which is I am not a health professional, physical or mental or medical in any way. And so please, if you are struggling with your mental health, your physical health, your well-being in any way that feels like it's past the point where you can manage it by yourself, please, please, please speak to your doctor or your GP about getting more support with that. Please do not use any of the advice that I share in place of advice given to you by a health professional because I'm not a healthcare professional. But with that said, let's dive into today's questions from the Listener's Cup, and I'm going to give you my tips and advice on how you can show up for yourself and create a life that feels good. So our first listener says, hi, Laura, I am a longtime listener, but this is my first time asking a question. I have Crohn's disease, so I often spend time in bed trying to recuperate from the effects of my illness. But I find that when I'm up and active, I tend to go too hard and burn myself out. How do you suggest us chronically ill people finding that balance? This is a great question, not just for people with chronic illnesses, but I mean, also anyone who struggles with that vicious cycle of burnout and then having energy and feeling like you have to overcompensate for the time you've spent recuperating by doing more when you have energy, which then ultimately leads to more burnout and needing to recuperate again. So I think that this cycle that you find yourself in is one that many people can relate to. And so don't be so hard on yourself because it's not just something that people with chronic illness struggle with. Also, people with mental health illnesses or mental health difficulties struggle with similar cycles, low feelings, and needing to take a step back. And then when your feelings are in a good place, when your mental health is in a good place, you feel like you have to go too hard or you you feel like you have to make up for the things that you weren't able to do when you were feeling low. And that ultimately leads to you burning yourself out. And I think that's something that, I mean, I can even relate to on a smaller scale in that when I do take time to rest, that I begin to have this feeling of guilt and shame around taking so much time to rest. Even like after Christmas vacation or summer vacation, even when I reach that point where I feel like I'm really enjoying myself relaxing. And then as it comes to the end of that vacation, I start to think about all of the times I've spent relaxing and how I could have used it maybe to get ahead on things. And then when I go back to working, 
I try to compensate for that relaxation time and I try to compensate for this extra energy that I have because I've taken time to relax by doing too much and then ultimately burning myself out and needing to rest more and feeling more shame for the fact that that has happened. So I think there's so many different variations of this same cycle that so many of us go through. But I think the key thing that anyone can bring to a cycle like this when it comes to burnout specifically is that element of self-compassion and really checking in with yourself and getting to know what you need because only you can truly know that and only you can truly give that to yourself. And I think when it comes to managing an illness, this is something that you are learning to live with over time. And the more that you lean into that sense of self-awareness and look for those patterns in yourself, be that your patterns of your energy, be that the patterns of foods that don't agree with you, be that the patterns of activities that burn you out faster than others, the more that you bring that element of self-awareness to everything that you do and how you do it and how it affects you, the more you can show up for yourself with self-compassion. So try thinking about taking a step back from your situation and the next time that you have one of those periods where you need to recuperate and you're coming out of the end of it, instead of feeling like maybe you need to make up for the time that you rested or feeling like you need to take this energy and use it as quickly as you can before it runs out. Take a step back and look at yourself and how you feel from a completely different point of view. Maybe grab your journal and do some reflecting on the feelings that come up for you during periods of recuperation, the feelings that come up for you when you do have energy and you feel like being active? What are the feelings that are underneath that are driving you back towards burnout all of the time? So do a little bit of reflecting on that and then come with the self-compassion and think, if this was another person that I really, really cared about, how would I look after them? How would I show up for them? What things would I do for them to make their life a little bit easier, to make sure that every time that they do something that's high energy, they also have something that's going to comfort them or re-energize them or give them some space to have mini recuperations so that they're not always ending up in that burnout. Try to start thinking about how you show up when you have energy and even how you show up for yourself when you need to recuperate as if you were showing up for someone else that you really, really cared about. How could you bring that level of compassion to your own life and start practicing showing up for yourself where you are at. Another helpful thing would be to maybe do like daily check-ins with yourself and give yourself a rating on a scale of one to 10 where you are at with your energy and then start to think about, well, if I'm a five today and this is what's on my to-do list or this is what I need to do or this is what I want to do even, how can I show up for this thing and still do it but with 
the energy that I have now. So I'm coming at it from a place of self-compassion. So I still get to experience the things that I want to. So I still get to be active. So I still get to do things and feel like I'm accomplishing goals and moving forward, but doing it at my own pace, in my own way, in a way that is not going to burn me out, a way that's going to allow me to experience life, to still look after myself and show up for my illness, but also show up to live a life that I actually want to live and feel fulfilled by. Only you can give yourself that balance. And the only way to really give yourself that balance is to add in that element of self-compassion. And instead of feeling like it's all or nothing, try and show up with a little bit of self-compassion, a little bit of mindfulness, And just start thinking about how you could enjoy life a little bit more because sometimes enjoying life a little bit more is actually about doing things more slowly or doing things in smaller bursts of energy or shorter periods of time so you still get to experience all of the things that you want to and meet all of the goals that you want to, but you do it on your timeline and on your terms and conditions. So I hope that that helps. The next listener writes and says, I am always looking for something to do, especially if I get bored on Instagram waiting for responses to my DMs. What should I do to be more productive and also be more fun? I really like this question because this is something that I can definitely relate to myself and I think a lot of us can. Something that I've been working on personally this year is using my weekends a little bit more productively and this is kind of what came to mind straight away for me when I read this question was I was getting really frustrated with myself because I would look forward to the weekend every week and then I would get to the weekend and first of all, I would be tired from working. And so I would be like, I don't want to make plans because I'm feeling a little bit tired. So I'm just going to relax. And then I would end up feeling bored because I didn't make plans to do anything fun or exciting or fulfilling. And then I would end up scrolling on social media to distract myself. And that would just feel more frustrating. And then I would get to the end of the weekend feeling like I hadn't done anything because I just scrolled on my phone. So I can very, very much relate to this question. So the very first thing that I would say to you is you definitely need to consider setting yourself some digital boundaries and reflecting on what that might look like for you. And before you can set any goals or boundaries, you, you first need to kind of do a little bit of a, a little bit of inventory on how you're currently using screens and social media specifically how often in the week are you doing that? How much of your time is it taking? Because that gives you a good idea of of how much time you could redirect to other things that might fulfill you. So first of all, open up the screen time settings on your phone or the screen time app and just look at how much time you are spending on Instagram, other social media, or whatever apps it is that you seem to find yourself just scrolling on or using when you're feeling bored instead of doing something proactive. Look at your weekly screen time. Have a look at maybe how that breaks down daily, what that looks like over the month, and just give yourself a picture of how often are you scrolling on social media because all of that time could be time you're doing other more fun and fulfilling things. And I think that's also a great way to overcome this kind of sense of I don't have time to do anything fun or productive or exciting. When you see it grouped together in hours, how how many hours a week you spend on Instagram. I mean, I've looked at that before and just thought, wow, that is 
like 10 books I could have read this week or (laughs) that is like a whole trip somewhere. So first of all, look at your screen time, look at what you're currently spending on social media so that you can really get a good visualization of how much of your time it's actually taking, but also how much time you could give to other things that maybe are more fun and fulfilling. The second thing that I would do after you've had a look at your current screen time usage is to create some digital boundaries for yourself. And these come in in settings that you can set up for yourself on your phone. I think a lot of people, when they're like, I'm spending too much time on my phone, how do I spend less time on social media? The the piece of advice that we're always given is like, put your phone in a box or put your phone in another room or put your phone on airplane mode. And those are great But I think that those only work when you have experience with digital boundaries already. When you're at that place where your phone is still a big distraction for you and you find it really difficult to put it down or it is your go-to like coping mechanism when you're feeling bored, it's very difficult to go from using your phone to deal with boredom to then just quitting cold turkey or telling yourself you're going to put it on airplane mode for a day. You're just going to make yourself feel restless and frustrated. So what you need to look at instead is ways that you can bring some self-awareness to when you're using your phone and ways that you can also maybe lock yourself out of apps when you've scrolled on them for a certain amount of times every day if you think that's what you need. So have a look, first of all, within Instagram and TikTok, there's some really great screen time settings. Both of the apps have a setting where you can set what your um, time limit is. So it's not specifically like a daily time limit. It's like a like a usage time limit. So every time you open the app, the clock starts again. For example, I think mine is set to 15 minutes. So if I'm scrolling on Instagram continuously for 15 minutes, the app gives me a notification to let me know that I have been scrolling for 15 minutes. And then it goes, do you want to continue browsing or do you want to close the app? So I I really like that one because first of all, it doesn't like lock me out of the app and I feel like, oh, okay, actually I was in the middle of doing something I would have liked to keep going. It gives me the option and it just brings me back to that place of awareness of, oh, okay, 15 minutes has gone by since I picked up my phone and just bringing that sense of awareness to how much time that is. So both Instagram and TikTok, you can set that up, have a look at that setting and then choose for yourself what that time limit would be that you want the app to remind you to maybe take a break from scrolling. Another setting that you can put on is kind of a level up from that where you give yourself a daily time limit. So once you've taken stock of your current screen time and you've had a look at how much time you're spending on social media each day and each week. And if that number is a number that you're very uncomfortable with and that you really want to get down and you want to spend less time on Instagram genuinely, give yourself a daily limit in the app. And then what happens when you set these daily limits of, oh, okay, I only want to be spending a max amount of an hour on Instagram every day. When you reach that time limit, the app will lock you out of it. And obviously you have a password that you can put in to get back in, but it just creates that boundary for you that again, brings that level of awareness of, okay, I have actually used my hour of social media today. So now I'm going to show up for myself and do something else. And I'm going to like push myself out of my comfort zone and do something other than scrolling on Instagram because I have done it for an hour today and my time is used up. So that's another great way to reduce the social 
media distraction. And then the third thing that I would do is look at your actual notification settings because I think one of the big things that keeps us scrolling and keeps us picking up our phones are those notifications. I am an iPhone user, an iOS user, and I love the focus modes on iOS phones because you can set different focus modes for different times of the day and different days of the week. So for example, when at the weekend I have my personal focus mode and that focus mode doesn't give me any push notifications for social media apps. So when it is my weekend time and that's my downtime, I'm not getting distracted by social media because I use social media for work. So I want to not be seeing those notifications. But if you're finding that during your downtime, you're just scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or social media, turn off the notifications for those apps so that when your phone is down, you're not getting tempted to pick it back up when you see those notifications popping up. So that's the first thing. Set yourself some digital boundaries. Get really clear on how much time you're spending on social media at the moment and how much time you want to be spending on social media and really hold yourself accountable to that by creating some boundaries using the settings on your phone to continuously alert you to when you're scrolling for too long, when you shouldn't be scrolling, or to just remove the distractions as well. Once you've done that, you can set yourself up for having more fun and being more productive. So again, coming back to your screen time, when you look at how much time you're spending on Instagram in a week, and if you say, okay, I wanna half that, and I only wanna spend, if you're spending, let's say, an hour every day, so it's like seven hours a week, and I wanna spend half of that, I only wanna spend 30 minutes a day, and so that frees up 30 minutes a day every day in the week that you could be doing something fun or you could bank that time together and at the weekends or on your days off, you could do something extra fun and more productive. Once you see that time and you start to think about, okay, well, what could I fill that time with? You can really start to have fun and get playful and creative with how you're gonna use this time, especially when it comes to boredom. Boredom is a lack of stimulation, a lack of mental stimulation. And so if you really want to beat boredom and really want to avoid just ending up on social media because you're bored, you've got to think of things that you can do for yourself that are going to switch up your routine, maybe switch up your location and just give your brain that food, that fuel that it's looking for in terms of stimulation. So what I did recently that really helped me was I got my journal and without overthinking like the practicality of different tasks, I just filled a page, did a little mind map or a brain dump of things that I find fun. What do I enjoy doing? And I just listed them out as many different ideas as I could think of. And then once I had done that, I started to look through that list and go, okay, well, which of these things take a little bit of time? Which of these things take a lot of time? Which of these things could I realistically do at the weekends or during the week after work to add a little bit more fun and creativity and playfulness to my day? So do that. Grab your journal, grab a big piece of paper, 
write down all of the things that you enjoy doing or that the idea of doing them sounds fun. So it doesn't have to be things that you've done before. So what is something that you'd like to learn to do or something that you'd like to try or somewhere that you'd like to go? Just make a list of activities that would be fun in your mind. What sounds fun to you to use your free time to do? And then look at those ideas and maybe highlight in one color the activities on that that are things that are easy to do, easy for you to start doing because you already maybe have access to the things that you need to do them, like maybe baking, for example, or whatever is like something that you could literally do it today if you decided to be motivated and do it. So first of all, pull out the ones that are easy, take a little bit of time or that you already have everything you need to get going. And then look at the ones that maybe are new things that you've not done before or maybe require a little bit more time or maybe you need some like supplies to get started with them if it's a new hobby so that those are the ones that you're going to do when you have a little bit more time. So just make your list of things that you find fun, sort them into things that are quick to do, easy to do, and things that will require maybe a little bit more planning and start to do them. If you think it would be helpful, put them into your Google calendar and and plan out what are you gonna do on your free time for the next week or the next two weeks and have those things already put into your Google calendar so that when your free time comes around when it's your day off, when it's your weekend, that you have this plan of action of fun, productive things that you can do to beat the boredom. Our next listener says, how can I overcome my health anxiety and stop worrying so much about my health? This relates to having been diagnosed with a chronic illness, which has triggered it. This is a really, again, vulnerable question, really personal question. And so Thank you to the lovely listener who has opened up and shared this uh, question and this experience as well. Obviously, anything related to anxiety, I can deeply relate to because anxiety can be very all-consuming. And when you are feeling anxious or you're worrying about something, it's very difficult to not be anxious or worry about that thing. And I think for people who haven't experienced anxiety in a way that overwhelms you or stops you from showing up to the things that you need to do or want to do, it's very difficult for those those people to understand that it's, it's not as simple as not worrying about it. So it sounds like from this question and the way that it's written that this may be a recent diagnosis and this has triggered something in you. Perhaps you feel that your life is a little bit out of your control at the moment or there's new things in it that you need to bring your attention to more in order to care for yourself and your illness. And so I think the first thing that I would say to you is that the best thing that you can do for yourself when it comes to your anxiety and your mental health in relation to your physical health is to not tell yourself that you need to have the answers to everything and that you have to be the one to solve all of these problems for yourself. Step back and and release that a little bit because that's the first step in really working on anxiety and worry and fear is letting yourself know that it's okay to feel these feelings 
that you also don't have to be the one to solve these feelings. You don't have to work through this on your own is what I'm saying. And the thing that the follow-up to that is when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to any mental health struggle that's really stopping you from showing up for your life or becoming a little bit overwhelming and maybe preventing you from living life the way you want to or maybe consuming you in a way that you can't focus on other things, the best thing that you can do for yourself is to speak to a professional, to a non-biased person who can help you get some perspective on what you are feeling. Just in the same way that with your illness, your chronic illness, you're going to speak to your medical professional, you're going to speak to your doctor or your GP, and you're going to listen to the advice that they give you to help you manage this so that you can still live your life in a way that is as comfortable as possible while also showing up for your illness. You need to bring the same perspective to your mental health and your anxiety so that it doesn't consume you. To speak to someone who's going to help you get some perspective on this worry that you are carrying and how you can manage it in a way that's going to continue to allow you to live your life and to work through these feelings. And I know that therapy isn't always accessible for everyone. So if you can't access a therapist through your medical care, through um, the support that's available to you for your chronic illness, there are um, online therapies that are quite affordable. So BetterHelp is an amazing one. Their therapy, um, they can connect you with a therapist in under 24 hours and it's completely done over video call or even phone call and it's worldwide, which is amazing. And it's much, much more affordable than a regular therapist. So it can help bring talk therapy and working with a therapist can make it more attainable and achievable for people, even if you just do it for a period of time to help you begin to understand your anxiety and to work through the feelings that are coming up for you with your chronic illness diagnosis. If that isn't attainable for you right now in this moment, the the next step would be looking for support groups. A lot of hospitals can connect you with uh, support groups for other people who are facing the same thing that you are in this very moment or have been through it when they were diagnosed with their chronic illness as well. So check in again with your doctor, your hospital, your medical professional and see are there any support groups that are already near you? And if not, are there any support groups that you could connect with digitally online or maybe in close to you that maybe it would be a reasonable distance for you to travel, but to just allow yourself the opportunity to take this worry outside of you, to talk to someone else about it, to get a soundboard on it, because if you just allow it to stay inside in your head, it is going to just feel more insurmountable. And that's coming from personal experience with anxiety. We can feel like 
we're the only one who's feeling this. And then we can also feel like because we think we're the only ones feeling it, that there's some kind of ridiculousness around it or it's silly and people will think less of us if we talk about it with them or they will judge us or they will tell us that we are making this bigger than it needs to be. And so we keep the feeling bottled in and ultimately that just builds the feeling and it makes us feel more fearful and more anxious. And one of the best things that I have done for my anxiety is yes, using tools like mindful breathing and exercises that help calm me. But the the only way that I've actually been able to utilize and access those tools and make them work for me was first by letting myself put the anxiety outside of me through speaking to someone else about it that's going to be my soundboard and help me see this from a perspective that is not just my own point of view. So if you are struggling with your anxiety, speak to someone about it. That can be therapy, that can be a coach, that can be a support group if that's all that really fits your budget right now. It doesn't matter what form that support comes in, find some kind of support that's going to help you. It can feel scary to take that step at first, but you will thank yourself for taking it. Okay, let's have our last question. This listener says, I have a younger sibling that cyber bullied me. We're both grown adults. I am the middle child. My sibling is a few years younger than me, and my sibling tore me apart, not in public comments, but privately over one of my creative posts. We got into a huge argument via text messages, and I hate text message arguments. I was left feeling depleted and confused. I suggested that we take some space from each other as I was so upset. This broke my heart. We haven't spoken in two months. How can a person remain mentally well after something so upsetting? How can someone work through accepting a jealous or envious family member that sometimes sabotages you? I was made to feel like I am the one with the problem when I innocently shared a post. It turned out that my sibling was angry with me over a past issue that had resurfaced. They took out their anger on me by picking on a reel I had worked so hard on. The post had nothing to do with them and yet they turned it against me just so that they could start a fight. I'm beside myself and I'm trying to make sense of this. How can I cope? I am brokenhearted. That is a big question. Again, thank you for being so open and sharing your vulnerable experience with us. I really appreciate it. I think bullying is always a difficult topic to broach and I think what this question really highlights is this idea that we can be bullied by people that we really care about. And one of the challenges with that is when we really care about someone that they actually have an ability to maybe hurt us more than a stranger on the internet because the bullying can be personal and it can really tear us up when we need to set those boundaries and create the space that we need to distance ourselves from a relationship that maybe is not fulfilling us or not good for us. I'm not a health professional. And so I'm just going to put that disclaimer in there. If this is a 
family issue that is really impacting your mental health, the best thing that you can do to help yourself process these feelings is to speak to a non-biased professional who can help you get some new perspective on the situation, on your relationship with your sibling, and how you can move forward. If you still have a feeling of wanting to salvage this relationship, then a coach or a therapist or a support group is probably the best thing that you can do for yourself to help you understand how you can mend things with your sibling if that's what you really want to do. And equally, if that's not what you want to do, if you really do want to create firm boundaries to protect your well-being, again, a therapist, a coach, or a support group is going to help you get clarity on what those boundaries need to be and how you can communicate them to your sibling and how you can uphold those boundaries to protect your peace. So that's the first thing that I would say to you. Definitely speak to someone that is a non-biased third party. I think especially when it comes to family relationships that are toxic or unhealthy, speaking to someone in your personal life who is already close to the situation may not give you the perspective that you need to either mend this relationship so it can be healthy and it can be sustainable or to actually get the space from this relationship because it is not healthy and it is not sustainable. Speaking to someone who is really going to be that soundboard for you and give you some perspective that is not Um, affected by being personally connected to the situation can be really helpful, especially as an adult. This is a relationship that you have maybe had to struggle with for years. It sounds like there are maybe uh, underlying arguments here that are resurfacing and that both of you maybe need to move through or move past. And again, speaking to like a friend or another family member about it, while it can be helpful to help you vent your feelings, it may not be the support that you need to actually proactively come to a solution for yourself and for the relationship moving forward, whether that's mending the relationship or creating some really firm boundaries around the relationship. So that's the first thing. Definitely look at what an attainable way of achieving that for yourself. Again, have a look at better help, um, have a look for support groups in your area, have a look at maybe a coach or a a talk therapist that is within your personal budget and speak to someone about it who could help you get that perspective. The next thing that I would say is as it comes to the social media, because it seems that this argument was fueled by social media and maybe the fear of this sibling seeing more of your content and it causing another argument might be holding you back from showing up for something that really brought you joy. Um, I would definitely look at creating some digital boundaries that are also going to protect that space for you. So whether that's not blocking your sibling, maybe that's too far. Maybe you're not comfortable blocking them. If you are comfortable blocking them, 
do that if that helps you protect your peace. But you can also restrict um, users, which means that they can still see your profile, they can still leave comments, but nobody else can see the comments that they leave. And so it kind of protects you as well from feeling like comments are put out there. Equally so, if someone is restricted on social media, if they send you a DM, it's not going to go into your main inbox. It's going to go into your hidden messages. And so if you don't want to see messages on social media from them, you don't have to see them there. If you want to protect your peace when it comes to messaging on uh, phone apps like WhatsApp or whatever messaging app that it is, and maybe the sibling is overstepping their boundaries there, you can also look at maybe turning off notifications for their messages and restricting them within your messaging apps so that if you need to take that space and they're not allowing you to take that space, that you're not going to get the notifications, that you're not going to have to see or read the messages until you feel like you're in a place where you can process them from a place of calm. And it sounds like you've already done a really good job by communicating that you need some space to protect your well-being. But it sounds like what you're really struggling with is just the feeling of the brokenheartedness around everything that happened. So that, again, comes back to speaking to someone about it so you can process these feelings. And I think you need to process these feelings yourself first before you can maybe go back to your sibling and speak about them with your sibling and salvage the relationship if that's what you want to do or really solidify those boundaries. So I know that that's not a lot of proactive advice. I can't give you specific advice on what I think you should do next because I think that this is bigger than here's what you should do or here's what you shouldn't do. I think this is really something that you need to get that extra layer of perspective on for yourself and to really dive into your own feelings about it and understand what they are and what this relationship means to you and whether or not it is worth fighting for or if that space needs to be a more permanent thing. So I hope that you find someone who can help you work through this whether that's a therapist, whether that's going on better help, whether that is a support group that's close to you or a talk group that you can join over Zoom to work through this and that you're going to get some clarity on how to move forward with this situation. And that brings us to the end of this episode. There were so many great questions in the Listener's Cup this season. I loved answering every single one of them. I loved and appreciated how personal these questions were. And I just want to say thank you to every single one of you who sent in a question, who opened up, who shared that vulnerability. I feel so honored to create this space where you feel safe to do that. If you didn't send in a question this season and after listening to this episode, you would really love to share your question and hear another perspective on something that you're moving through. The link for the question cup is at the top of our show notes, and it is always open for your questions, for your stories, for the challenges that you're working through. So go ahead, leave a question, leave a topic that you'd like to hear covered next season on the show, and I can't wait to see what you're going to drop in there next. And that. I am afraid brings us to the end of another season of Fill Up Your Cup podcast. And I am so filled with 
gratitude right now at this moment for every single one of you who has chosen to tune in each week to listen to these episodes, to share questions, to comment on social media or send messages or share episodes with people that you think will enjoy them. I appreciate every single one of you. I am very excited to take a break for the summer, but I'm also equally excited to be back in September for season four and also the one year celebration of the podcast. And I wonder what that's going to bring. Thank you so much for tuning in this season. Thank you for your love, your support, your reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, go and do it now. And thank you in advance. And I will see you again in September. Have a wonderful summer break. If you made it to the end of this episode, I hope that you feel a little less alone in your personal development journey and a little more inspired to do something today to show up for yourself. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast streaming app or platform. And if you want even more weekly inspiration, then head on over to Instagram or Facebook and follow the show as at fillupyourcuppod. Remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So do one small thing today to pour into yours and start creating a life that feels good for you.